Most practitioners believe that dependence on outsourced services requires evaluation of third parties to ensure proper protection of sensitive data against cyber threats and breaches. Some of them state that today's risk evaluation process is inefficient and costly for all involved, driving a need for new competencies. And experts argue that it is time to test new ideas, including peer collaboration, to perform assessments on third parties with common shared services, among others. I'm Geeta Nandikotkur, Managing Editor, Asia and Middle East, at Information Security Media Group. I have with me Ms. Robin Slate, Executive Vice President and Chief Operating Officer at the Santa Fe Group to discuss the importance of peer collaboration and the next best practices for risk management. Ms. Slate is the keynote speaker at RSA Conference Asia-Pacific and Japan held between 22nd and 24th of July in Singapore to share insights on peer collaboration, the next best practice for third-party risk management. Welcome Ms. Slate. Security practitioners at large from the Asia-Pacific region would like to understand different types of risks enterprises can envisage when it comes to third-party risk management. Can you throw light on the type of risks for enterprises? Well, I think Asia-Pacific and Japan, as well as in the States, it is very similar. Globalization has created dependencies on critical activities being outsourced. Uh, suppliers can be anywhere in the world or even in the cloud today. Um, the risks are plentiful, but most especially the risks of loss of exposure of sensitive client data or intellectual property are of significant concern today. Uh, third parties are also outsourcing services as well, so that's creating fourth parties and fifth parties. Um, and in addition, the complexities continue to grow. As new technologies emerge, such as cloud and mobile, um, there, are, there are examples of how uh, something new comes along that creates new efficiencies, but also you have to manage the risks that come along with those new technologies. Having said that, most practitioners observe that the current risk evaluation process is inefficient and expensive. Uh, what are the shortcomings, do you think? You know, as an example, let me talk about the financial services industry, uh, especially in the States, which is the most heavily regulated of industries there. Each organization has different risk appetites, and there's different interpretations of the regulations. And that's what's led to the usage of what we call proprietary questionnaires. Um, they're similar, but slightly different. And uh, it really, those proprietary questionnaires tend to strain the service provider's resources trying to respond to to so many diverse questionnaires, and it also leads to time-intensive on-site visits. So all of that creates the inefficiencies um, within the system, so there really is a need for more standardization. So when you speak about standardization, so what are the various parameters around that? So are there any evaluation methods do you recommend to ensure these third parties effectively protect the data? Yes, the Shared Assessments Program, which is a organization uh, cross-vertical of approximately 150 organizations, they suggest a two-prong approach to third-party risk. The first being the Standard Information Gathering Questionnaire, which is used for the initial assessment process of a third party. And then uh, there's also a, a second component called the AUP, or the Agreed-Upon Procedures, which is used to perform the on-site assessment by an independent 
independent assessment firm. That is a standard within the states today. Also, another standard within the states today is through the AICPA Service Organization Control, or SOC 2 is what it's called, which is also leveraged for the on-site assessment process and performed by a CPA. The AUP and the SOC 2 are just two different methodologies, two different standards for performing on-site assessments. Both of them, you know, certainly work well for that, and they do hold their differences. So the AUP, for instance, can be performed by a CPA or any independent assessment firm, where the SOC 2 is specific to a CPA firm. Um, but both have the same end goal, which is to test the controls of a third party. So how is it being leveraged by the Asian community, Asian uh, CISO fraternity? Well, uh, I know that shared assessments is expanding to the Asia community, and um, we, as Singapore specifically, as one of the regions, um, it has been over the, it was launched 10 years ago by um, six leading top-tier financial institutions in the United States, and has since grown to become a, a standard within the states, and is now growing to be a standard internationally. Uh, the SOC, um, my understanding is that the SOC 2 um, is, because it is an American institute, of CPA um, products that it is not a glo in global use, but I don't know that for sure. So what kind of competences do you think need to be built for effective third-party assessment processes? Yes, yeah, certainly there's a need for risk management professionals with specialized skills and training to manage third-party risk. We, for instance, launched the Certified Third-Party Risk Professional Program, the CTTRP certification back in January, really to ensure that there are competencies in third-party risk management. You need to make sure you, you understand the, how to manage the vendor lifecycle, vendor risk identification and rating, and then, of course, knowledge of the fundamentals of vendor risk assessment, monitoring, and management. So you have been advocating peer collaboration as a next best practice. So can you give some insights on that? Yes. Well, the shared assessments program, you know, as I said, it was created specifically to develop peer collaboration. We learned very early on that third-party risk management is not a competitive issue. So there is a lot of need to work with your peers at competing organizations in order to better the processes and best practices and technologies. So these organizations all share the same vendors with the same common services. Why not work collaboratively to perform on-site assessments? Uh, so that's what we've been trying to advocate. And shared assessments was, as I said, founder to foster this collaboration. So that's what we're working on today. But how is it different from information sharing that is being really propagated by most organizations? Um, well, we're actually talking about the specific on-site assessments. So each organization needs to uh, make sure that their service providers are protecting the data and systems. So they, they have a series of on-site testing procedures that they go through. And instead of an organization coming on-site and meeting with the service provider, if you have five or six organizations working collaboratively to do one on-site assessment, that gets, is a lot of time savings and creates a lot of efficiency in the process. It allows the service provider to reallocate that time towards shoring up their systems and securing the infrastructure. So any key ingredients of an effective collaborative strategy that you could think of? 
Uh, yes. So um, first of all, you need a robust methodology, such as the AUP or the SOC, as I mentioned, that meets the needs of the outsourcers that are participating. Um, organizations must share the same common services with that third party. Um, and uh, and then the assessment must be performed by an independent assessment firm. Uh, so, so the results are from an independent firm. Any other insights on the assessment framework? What what do the what are the various steps that the CISOs need to take to put that assessment framework in place? Yes, that's a great question. And uh, so the on-site assessment framework leveraged by shared assessments has 16 risk control areas. You know, for instance, uh, organizational security, physical and environmental security, access control, resiliency, compliance, mobile, cloud, privacy. So there's there's a lot of various areas that need to be examined. Um, in order to do this collaboratively, uh, we ran a series of pilots with the top-tier financial institutions. And we had each one of the institutions map their proprietary questionnaires against the AUP. And we added back in and enhanced the AUP, anything that fell outside. The AUP covered about 80%, but what fell outside was typically more maybe operational in nature. Nonetheless, if that's what they required, we added it back in. Then we had a tool that could be leveraged by multiple financial institutions that met 100% of what their needs. And then we leveraged that tool to to then perform the on-site assessment. Um, and we did this several times, and we are now able to say that in the states, seven of the top 10 financial institutions have signed off on the procedures in the AUP. Um, and so we're now rolling that out more broadly and globally. It is ISO-based. It uh, The framework um, also aligns to NIST and PCI, um, to COBIT and other standards and regulations. And we look forward to to broadening this out in the Asia-Pacific region as well. So within an enterprise, a large enterprise or a medium, who takes the call with regard to third-party assessment? Is it the CISO or the compliance or regulatory or the legal division? Who takes the call? Well, you know, it, it really depends on the organization, um, and it also depends on the vertical. Um, there are, in financial services, you do have, you know, chief security officers and CISOs that um, uh, tend to have oversight in third-party risk. You do have third-party risk executives as well. Um, and then, of course, you've got the board of directors in, is as well that has a, a role in this. Um, healthcare could be completely different. It could be privacy. It could be compliance. It could be a number of different individuals that are tasked with third-party risk oversight. Thank you very much, Robin, for joining the discussion, and thanks for listening on the best practices to address third-party risk management issues. I'm Geeta Nandikotkur from ISMG.